We are starting our um, today and next uh, Sunday, our last Sundays together. And so, right? You still on? Can I say? Can I? Okay. So today we're going to start what I'm calling a wrap up. Yes, please. And um, and then what I want to accomplish today is I, in case we run out of time next week, I want to give Amy as much time as she needs. Um, I want to go through the serenity prayer because that's a big part of uh, the recovery programs. And Celebrate Recovery uses the full version, which I've always liked. A Alcoholics Anonymous only uses the first part. And you recite it at every meeting, at the end, the beginning, or both. Um, so we're going to go through that. And then I and the leadership of this church would like your feedback. And so Terry will be in to pass out a feedback form. It's completely optional. But I would really appreciate it if you would give us your feedback. Um, and then we'll start discussing your feedback, especially how we think, well, first of all, the decision that we're going to make is, do we want to try this? Do we want to launch this? Let's not worry about the details, because if we say yes, then we have a whole other layer of, okay, when, when are we going to be ready? What do we need to do to get ready? And all those are other decisions that we'll make later. The question right now is, is this something that we would embrace as a, a family at Eastside? And then I want to talk about, right, Scott? I want to talk about in the last 10 or 15 minutes, what's that going to look like? I mean, how's that going to affect us? How's that going to affect our Sunday morning? How's that going to affect the school? Is it going to affect the school? How's it going to affect grace? Um, what, what do we need to do? What do we need to be aware of? So that's where we're going, okay? All right, so we're in, while we're in this place, let's begin with a prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for the sunrise that tells us that there's hope. Hope for another day. Hope for another chance to live in your presence. We ask that you descend upon us through your Holy Spirit. Calm our monkey minds. Help us to dedicate at least a portion of today, if not the entire day, to living in your spirit. Loving as you love, thinking as you think, cherishing existence as you cherish existence, sharing of ourselves in a selfless way, the way that you teach us. I pray that you'll bless anyone in this room, anyone hearing my voice who's in a special needs situation, whatever it is, be it health, physical, health, spiritual, relationship, struggle, whatever it is, Father, if it's preventing them from being in your presence at this moment, I pray that you will send your spirit, calm their monkey mind, Help them to know your goodness, that you love them, that you're for them, not against them, that your grace is not just a means to get into heaven someday in the far, far future, but your grace is available each moment as a power to live life in a different way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Theologically, we're talking about uh, 
discipleship, I believe, what it means to be a Christ follower, to live as he taught us to live. For scientists, neurologically, we're talking about uh, quieting the monkey mind that's, that's scientifically verifiable. We, we live a, a, a huge percentage of our time in what we can call the monkey mind, survival mode, get on I-25 during rush hour, and guess what? That person next to you is not a person, right? It's an object that is threatening your well-being. That's what the monkey mind will tell you. If they don't turn on their signal, they're an idiot. Right? They're threatening me. He cut me off. She cut me off. She threatened my safety and my well-being. And you're in survival mode. And you're making gestures, perhaps. You're making statements about the value of the person navigating that machine. And I don't know if, if you're like me, you get to a calm moment and you reflect on what you experienced. And again, I'm speaking about me, not you. I don't like that person. I don't like the way that person views other human beings. I don't like the way that person allows himself to use foul language. I don't like the way that person is selfish, self-absorbed. Well, that's the monkey mind. And guess what? That monkey mind can drive us into what is termed addictions. I get home at night. I've been living in the monkey mind all night. I can't go to sleep because the monkey mind keeps chattering. And so what do I do? I shut him up. How do I do that? A couple of beers. A couple of beers becomes four beers. Four beers become six beers. Six beers become eight. I don't know about you. I was usually around eight to ten a night. Just to, just to make him shut up. You wake up in the morning. You need something to get you going. I didn't get to this point. But you know, hey, methamphetamine is a great, a great... It's a great way to start your day. You want to feel good? And you get into this cycle and you literally get addicted. And then you, you reach a place where you are far, far from your creator in any semblance of a spiritual walk with Christ. You're white knuckling your life and you may show up at church. You may serve on committees. You may go to deacons meetings. You ever seen a deacon meeting end in a fist fight? I've heard about it. You ever seen a deacons meeting run by the monkey mind? Any meeting run by the monkey mind. Maybe your business is run by the monkey mind. Not a fun place to be. Well, addicts come to that and they, they realize that if you, if you recognize that about yourself, you're not trapped there. We are not like the Arctic Turn. Did anybody Google that? That is an amazing story. I, 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 I typed up an email to send out on Thursday and then realized on yesterday, last night, I didn't send it. Yeah, the Arctic Turn 
it's a, I'm not a T E R N, right? Not T U R N. Born in Greenland or Iceland, makes a 44,000 mile round trip every year. They've put little beacons, GPS signals on these birds and they're just fascinated. And they do it and they make the same route. And when summer is over in, the, in Antarctica, they make the route back, or when winter's over, whatever. They make the route back, same route, and they land within yards of the same place. And if you go to, their, to, the, to Greenland, Iceland, where they're born, and you grab an egg out of the, the nest, and you take it to a laboratory, and you hatch it in the laboratory, and you, you feed that little chick, and you wait two or three weeks until the flock has left, they're heading on their 22,000 mile trip, and you take that little bird and you place it in the, near the nest where it was supposed to have been born under its mother, guess what it does? Steve? It flies off and follows the same route. It's like that stuff is programmed in there. And two weeks later, or whatever it takes, lands within yards of its mother. Where did it learn that? It's genetically programmed. Well, is that what we're like? Hey, I'm a homosexual. I'm genetically programmed to be homosexual. I can't help it. Is that true? Scientifically, you guys have the scientific... Is there any scientific evidence that that's true in human beings? I don't know of any. Now, are you predisposed by genetics? Perhaps. Are you predisposed by your environment? Absolutely. Just as a human being, what, in, what can we say about the environment? Number one, we're born into an environment in which God does not physically dwell, right? Because of sin. Does that affect the way we behave? Yes or no? Steve, what do you think? I think so. Why? You don't have to teach a little kid to lie. You don't have to teach a little kid to be selfish. It seems to come natural. So do you think if you woke up in the morning and you could walk over and talk to God face to face and ask him questions, do you think that would change your life? I mean, okay, you can do it, but you have to do it through faith, correct? I argue that's different. I mean, if I had a daddy, a physical daddy, that I could jump up on his lap and say, Daddy, teach me how to live today, I think my life would change. I never had that. Now, that doesn't excuse the stupid decisions I made, but it does help me understand what I'm dealing with each day, right? Second thing about our environment, death. Is death something we look forward to? Death is something we fear, right? Hebrew writer says, you're born a slave to your fear of growing old and dying. And so each day you live is a day of survival. 
What does that do to us theologically? St. Augustine said, and many, many, many others, it turns us in on ourselves. It's part of the dynamic that happens. I'm in the left lane, and i got to get off on Fillmore, and that idiot knows that. I don't have my signal on, right? But they should know that I need to move over to the right, and they purposely came up on my side. What a jerk, right? They're threatening my existence. Is that reality, or is that my monkey mind? Well, if I know that about myself, then I know how to deal with it, right? Maybe I can have a conversation with myself at Garden of the Gods and say, okay, Bob, wise, spiritual Bob, stay in contact with your spiritual serenity because you know your Fillmore exit is coming up. Do not let the monkey mind chatter. And if he does start chattering, learn how to make him shut up without three or four beers. Well, how do you do that? That's what a recovery program teaches us. And if you get there, you break the addiction physically, that's called detox. But once you're done with detox, you're not done. You've got to relearn. And that takes the rest of your life, right? How do I keep these intrusive thoughts out of my mind? I don't know the answer to that. I'm working on it. That's why I'm still in recovery. That's why I go to at least one meeting a week. That's why I meet with my brothers who are struggling with me once a week. That's why I have a sponsor's phone number in my speed dialer, right? That's what recovery is all about. And at the end of every meeting, we say this prayer, and I want us to say it together. So I will start it and then join me, okay? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship, as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I will surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. See, and AA only uses this part. You'll see that. But I love what it says the rest of the way. So let's work through this a little bit, okay? We've got about 23 minutes, Baruch. I'm quitting on time. So where does a recovery program begin? Well, it begins with God, right? Step one. I admit I'm powerless over the monkey mind. I have allowed it to teach me how to interact with my environment. And now that I have, have however you want to look at it, you know, how I have, de I have developed the hurts from my environment that created hangups in my thinking patterns, and now I've developed habits 
that have created patterns that I follow. And the neurolog neurologists tell us, oh yeah, we can, we can take a look inside your, the physical organ, your brain, and we can see the wiring pattern of where those impulses go. And they follow the same pattern and they create the same behaviors and decisions. And when you realize that you're stuck into that pattern, many times you realize that you can't get out of it without God. God has to intervene and help you. I think Paul talks about this in terms of renewing your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. Survival is not the end all. It's God has your survival both in this life and the next taken care of. It's about entering into a relationship with God and allowing Him to change me. So it's God, grant me. This is not something you're going to accomplish on your own. This is something that's going to be given to you as a gift from your Creator. Step two. Came to believe that there is a God and that He loves me, He cares for me, and He is able and will help me recover from addiction to the monkey mind. Grant me serenity. All right, your turn to talk. How do you define that word? Peace. Content? Peace? What else? Calm? Feeling of, feeling of well-being. You think the monkey mind ever enjoys serenity? Steve, what do you think? Not much. Maybe once in a while. Yeah, I, I would argue the, the monkey mind is incapable of understanding what serenity is. And here's the way I would... I would uh, let's go back to my illustration. I'm at Garden of the Gods... Uh, going south at 85 miles an hour. I know I have to get off on Fillmore because I'm going to Coronado High School. What's the threat? The guy on my right who's going 90 miles an hour can literally steal my serenity if I allow him. And if he steals it, Julie, he may steal it for the rest of the day, right? If I allow him. That's why these exercises that Julie's teaching us, these are, these are incredibly powerful, aren't they? They're moments that we can quiet the monkey mind, feel what it feels like to live in serenity, and then go out the door, as she says, be prepared for the moment. Go out into the world with the intent, nothing is going to steal my serenity. One step, two step, three step, nothing has stolen my serenity. Diane? Every time you say Garden of the Gods, I'm thinking, yes, I go to Garden of the Gods for serenity. The park. Ah, there you go. Nature. There you go. Or I go crazy if I don't get enough nature. 
you have to be patient and love your monkey mind. You can't disown it. Say that louder. Stand up and say that. Go ahead. <laughs> well, oh, okay, you don't you want to have, stand. You have to be patient and love your monkey mind. You can't disown him or her. Um, and then to say, yeah, I don't like him or I don't like her. Um, sometimes I think that makes it more difficult. Thank you for like, saying that. Serenity is, in my mind, is like a calm, high mountain lake where you can just, you can see the reflection of the mountains. And I can throw a rock in there and disturb that a little bit, but that lake is big enough that it can absorb it. Thank you. So the part of us that we want to grow is the part that can absorb and love and accept the monkey mind and pat him on the head and tell him he's okay. Did everyone hear that? And it's, that's why you co-teach with somebody, right? Because they help you. Worst thing, worst mistake I made in my recovery is I despised my monkey mind. I despised and hated and got into a war with my monkey mind. And who's going to win? The monkey mind's going to win. And what one therapist helped me see is the monkey mind is a part of you. And the monkey mind is operating out of fear. And so the more you bash the monkey mind, the more fearful he or she's going to get, and the more, I mean, they're going to sabotage, he or she is going to sabotage your life. Addicted to the monkey mind, and the subtitle is what? Something about learning how to overcome the power that sabotages your life. That's the way it works. So Baruch is on to something here. The breakthrough in my recovery was embrace your monkey mind. See, my monkey mind, yes, ma'am. I was hoping you were going to raise your hand because I could see your face. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I think, I think that part of us can be extremely benevolent, actually, in the right circumstance. You know, that, um, yes, we may have to discern between is this a real threat versus a perceived threat. If I'm hiking on a trail in the mountains and a bear comes out with a cub, you know, my monkey mind is going to say, get safe. You know, and that is a benevolent thing. It's trying to protect me. But then in other situations where maybe I'm milling over what ifs or what if this happens or what if that happens, that might be more of a perceived threat. And so I have to distinguish, is this a real threat? You know, where my monkey mind, that, that part of me is trying to keep me safe um, and trying to get me out of there or trying to, you know, fight, flight or freeze? Or am I living in the perceived threat where I'm really milling over, you know, well, you know, fears that may not ever happen or things that may not ever take place? Thank you. I mean, this helps. Okay, let me let me uh, illustrate it and help if, help me if my illustration doesn't cover all the things you said. Let me give you my example. Okay, my monkey mind was formed when I was five years old, and I was being repeatedly sexually assaulted by a, a neighborhood male. 
that that was the beginning of my issue. And so as I grew up, that little boy stayed five years old, fearful that he was a homosexual, and especially when Bob, they called me Bobby the, the homo, which is a nice version of what they called me. And so there was always this fear. And so what did Big Bob, I call him, grow into? This overachieving perfectionist. Well, what's Big Bob doing? Big Bob is protecting that little boy who's terrified. And so Baruch is telling us, you know, this is causing my monkey mind. But what my monkey mind, what is at the core of my monkey mind is a, is a terrified little child. And if I start beating him up, he's going to go deeper and deeper, right? Into my psyche. But guess what? If I get into therapy and Big Bob starts to heal and Big Bob is no longer this aggressive, overachieving, obnoxious, there's a possibility that little Bobby says, well, you can't protect me anymore. Who's going to protect me? Because you've protected me all my life. So Big Bob has to enter into a negotiation with little Bobby to make him feel safe. That's what you're saying. You can't beat him up. You can't hate him. You have to embrace him as part of yourself, but you have to convince him that he's safe. I mean, three years ago, I could not have stood up here and said, I have the greatest fear in my life is that I'm homosexual. I couldn't say that, not in church. I came here and pretended I was macho man, right? On my motorcycle and my leathers, right? You had something to say. Well, and I think that's in the church that's hard for us to accept because that grace piece we don't give ourselves. I'm not supposed to be like that. You know? Or I'm not supposed to let fear rule. I'm not supposed to think those thoughts. Revert back to that monkey on I have Christ in me. It's hard to balance. Like, how, what the world? How do I do this? How do I give myself grace for that part that's so bad, you know? Then we end up... That wants to do some really sinful stuff, right? And I've hated myself because of that. Everybody hearing her? And the last place you want to go is to a church, right? And admit, I want to have sex with my neighbor's husband because he's hot. I don't think she said that. Go ahead. No, I said that. But I think my recovery started when I realized that when I say God's trust in serenity, there's trust in there. Mm-hmm. And I feel that grace. And that grace has brought me peace and serenity. So God grant me. I think a lot of my recovery has been that I have surrendered to God's love. And that monkey mind, I have to daily do what Julie said, is that there is a constant spiritual battle, and I have to believe that God grants me what I need. 
in my recovery, where the steps in celibate recovery help me because I believe that God has the power to take what was done to me away, and I am His. And that's my serenity. My serenity is that He is my Father, and I see a vision of Him covering me with His blood, and He has granted me that serenity through my faith. Thank you, Karen. Were you done? You done? So I want to transition now for the next, uh, we have 10 minutes. If you will fill this out and leave it with me, please. You, your name is optional, but I would like to have this. I'm going in on the 16th of December to the elders, and I'm just putting it on the table. Um, Terry and I are prepared to help us start uh, Celebrate Recovery Ministry at the Eastside Church of Christ. I have no idea when we would start that. There's a lot of things that need to happen before then. Leadership needs to be... Uh, so a lot of issues, don't let your monkey mind, don't let your monkey mind take over this process, okay? All we're asking is, how do you feel about that? Would you vote yes or no? Yeah, and you got 15 minutes to do it. And if you don't get it done, give it to me, you know, after church or something. But I, yeah, I want to have this because I want to put it together and, and just give the data to the, to the elders. And, and do you want Bob and Terry? Do you think they're the right people? Or are they far enough along in their recovery? Do you feel that they're, the, they're a good fit for, for Eastside? And then the other questions, just give us, you know, what are your concerns? Surely there are some concerns, right? What are some issues that, that whoever's going to make this decision needs to be aware of? Hey, this is going to, and so I want us to lead, I want to lead into that as a discussion together, okay? And I want to do it by saying this. I love this part of the prayer. Taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. See, I wouldn't have the current president as president if it were up to me. But can I change that? Have I accepted this world as it is? Have I accepted myself as I am, warts and all? Or am I trying to fix myself through my own willpower? I can tell you from experience that's a huge mistake, my friend. There's a difference between fixing myself and submitting to the Spirit of God and allowing the Spirit of God to change me. Those are two different things. Do I accept myself right now? Do I accept the fact that I have homosexual tendencies? that I have to live with that every day. That I'm no better or worse person because of those tendencies. I'm just, that's who I am. And I have to deal with it. Now, I'm not saying I can make a choice to engage in homosexual behavior because I think that's a sin. But do I then have to deny, and I think this is what Nicole's getting at, right? Do I then have to absolutely deny that I have any type of negative sinful thought? Or is there a place of safety where I can come in and say, man, I am really 
struggling with fill in the blank. And nobody says, but says, man, I struggle with that too. And what do we do? Right? I don't want to give in to it. Do you? I don't want to be that person. So what do we do? Well, could we call each other when we're struggling? Oh, that'd be wonderful. Can we meet once a week and confess and pray and love each other? That's recovery. That's what church ought to be, my opinion. If there's any place in this city where somebody could come in and be themselves, it ought to be this place. Okay. So how are we going to change, Scott? Right? This is your question. We ought to discuss this. How's this going to affect? I think the, the core, and then I'll, I'm going to try to shut up. This has to change. This is a, a paradigm for most churches. What you have to do to belong to our church is you have to believe properly. You have to be in a frame of mind before you can belong to us. What if we reverse that? How would that change us? Your turn to talk. Do you think that would change us? Amy, what do you have to say? definitely wouldn't. I mean, people wouldn't feel threatened. They'd be willing to to come in with their baggage. And, and you think it. you think we'd attract some pretty people? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to... Go ahead. That's each of us. We're not pretty people. If we would admit that, right? Would, I, mean, I mean, I remember, like, when I went forward, just as I am, was being stung. And I thought, how in the world can he love me just as I am? Because I'm pretty ugly. I'm pretty awful. But then I realized he would. But then a week later, I go to church and it is thrown back in my face. No, we're not going to accept you. The things you're doing, the things you think about, that's we don't talk about that stuff. And just like, well then what am I doing? Why am I here? Because this, none of this is real. None of this is true. Whatever we sing there, that is not true. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but think about what she's saying and think about if you've experienced that. And so you have two choices. Quit coming or pretend you're perfect, right? Or don't care what people think. It's what God thinks. Change your way of thinking. I don't care if I make myself angry. So does anybody have off the right now, do you have any concern? We're gonna if we open this up, we're gonna attract some child molesters, we're gonna attract drunks, they're gonna show up on our doorstep, perhaps smelling a booze. How's that gonna affect any concerns that you wanna talk about? Carl? It kind of changes the paradigm of thinking. The idea that somehow the church is those who have arrived and, and, and to uh, that uh, here are people who all uh, follow, believe like I believe, and here there's a security uh, uh, socially for me and my children that here 
it's like the church is to protect me rather than reaching out to the world. Alan? What, when you're talking about um, people coming in that aren't like we are, or undesirable, whatever, what does that look like as far as, like, through the week? I'm thinking of the school being here and somebody like that showing up in the middle of the day. Is that, I mean, what, what hours are we looking at? What kind of... Uh, it's an issue, isn't it? I'll tell you what I've seen. You open a Celebrate Recovery, you get people here, let's say we, we choose uh, Saturday night, our meeting Saturday night. There is a possibility that one of those people is going to show up here on Monday morning expecting to find a place to sleep. So I think at least we would have to have some awareness in the school and some training, right? And is that something the school is willing to do? That's my question. Well, we do. The school does have a security guard, and in my mind, the school does have to be the place that the kids feel safe. Everybody agree with that? Yeah. And there's, in my mind, there's no, there's no compromise. If they want, if a person who is sick wants to get well, I'm 100% for that. But I'm also 100% for protecting our children. Everybody hear that? Yes, sir. So I'm sure it's been discussed at some point, but Eastside is not the only entity that utilizes this facility. We have Eastside, PPCS, and Grace. Have the other entities that utilize this space had the opportunity to be informed and express their concerns? I think before making any decisions, that has to be a discussion. I agree. I don't think one part of the group can make this decision without the all input from everybody. I agree with you. But I, did everybody hear what Brooke said? Because I can tell you if you, if, you, if you agree that Terry and I are the ministry leaders, I agree 100% with Baruch's position. The protection of our children, the protection of us, the protection of our member. We're not here to fix that person. If that person shows up drunk, repeat, well, shows up drunk and is a danger to anybody, I got a direct line to 911. That person is not welcome in that state. Person comes in and starts abusing verbally, that person's not welcome. The people who are welcome who are those who come there for help, but take personal responsibility for the condition they're in. That's my that's my philosophy. Anybody else? Terry? to you 
from the moment you walk in that door and they never leave your side. If you go to the bathroom, they go in the bathroom with you. And that's just the way it is. So that it keeps keeps you accountable, you if you are a sex offender, or you if you are, it keeps you accountable. So I think there are things, because it's... I can tell you this, if you're a sex offender, if I'm the ministry leader and you're a sex offender and you come in to celebrate recovery, I know that under the terms of your parole probation, you have a, you are required to tell me that you're a sex offender on the sex registry. And if you don't, you're going back to prison. And if I find out that you're a sex offender and you didn't report, I'm calling your parole officer. That's, that's the way it works. The other thing I'll say and we'll quit, there are a lot of resources in this community that can help us. This, this is not a cure-all. There will be needs show up that we in no way, shape, or form can handle or even address. And if you ask me to be a ministry leader, I will have all of them on my speed dial. If someone shows up and is suicidal with depression, I will have a number in my phone, a hotline I can call, and somebody will be here immediately. And I will have had a meeting with that person beforehand before we open up, and I will have a relationship with that person. So I will do, we will do the best we can to protect everyone. But that doesn't, that doesn't minimize what we're doing. Scott, are we answering your questions? Yeah, okay. Yeah, we have to be wise as serpents. Innocent as doves, but wise as serpents in this kind of situation. So it seems your biggest hurdle is going to be with the school where they hours. What do you think, Pat? Yeah, I think it's your biggest hurdle answer those, pacify those concerns. So probably set up a meeting with the, the leaders of the school. Go ahead. This one needs to be brought before the school board. And um, perhaps you would want to uh, coordinate a meeting. Meet one uh, Monday night a month. Okay. And, and you're on the board? Yes. Okay, so you can help with that. Okay. Right. That's, that's the kind of feedback we need to know, right? Anything else, guys? Well, Grace might partner with us on this ministry, yeah, which would be good. Which would be good, yeah. Mm -hmm. Carl, See, there needs to be an ongoing way anyone with concerns will be able to come. Absolutely. I mean, we're not talking about if you call, but say certain time of Sunday morning at forty-five, whatever it is, there'll be anyone has concerns can talk about. Yeah, because what I'm trying to do here, everybody, is I, I don't want to make a decision and then a year from now we say, well, I didn't know anything about that, you know, and if I would, you know, let's, let's make a decision together, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these dear, dear, sweet brothers and sisters. Give us wisdom in this decision. Give us wisdom, God, and help us make the best decision for everyone involved and especially for those who need this type of help in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you all. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.